good morning. Today we're going to continue our studies in 1 Corinthians. Um, and today what I want to do is look at some of the language that Paul uses when he's addressing the church in Corinth and see what we can learn uh, from the way he talks and therefore the, the spirit behind what he's saying, the attitude he takes, the relationship he has with them. Um, and really this is around the church's family. And so what we're going to do is to look at three ways that we are part of God's family and to help us understand what that means and how we relate to one another. So let's start by reading 1 Corinthians 4, uh, the passage we've read before, uh, verses 14 to 17. I'm writing this to you, not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I sent you Timothy, my dear son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you. I thank you that we're part of your family. Thank you that's what you teach us. Thank you, Lord, that that's how we relate to you as our Father, Jesus. You are uh, we are co-heirs with you, brother, with you. What an astonishing privilege and honour to be part of your family. Help us to understand what it means to be family together today, I pray, and lead us through as we read this passage together. Amen. Some of Paul's letters are happy and they glow with gospel progress and the, the cities he's writing to are clearly doing well, the churches are thriving, and some are not. Some letters are full of frustration and concerns and this letter to the Corinthians is maybe a little bit of both but it certainly is filled with frustrations and concerns. Um, so this is the second kind of letter. This is a bit more like something you might find in Galatians. It's what the um, kind of academics call a polemic. It's a strong argument uh, for change in this case in the Corinthian people and the Corinthian church. And yet, what is interesting, as we've already said, is the approach that Paul takes, his relationship and the strength of, uh, of feeling he has for the Corinthian believers. He says, I'm writing this to you as a father. I'm writing this to you, to you as, as, as a part of the same family. He's not a, he's not a supervisor. He's not, a, you know, he's not kind of tutting them from a distance and saying you haven't, you know, you haven't behaved properly, um, and and you know, giving them a ticking off in that sense, um, as a disinterested party. No, he is passionately involved as a family member, because he believes in the gospel. <laughs> he believes in the transforming work of Jesus by the Spirit to make them children of God. And therefore he can't just walk away because you might think with all the challenges that they are facing, all the stuff they're getting up to, frankly, and we'll find that out in the weeks ahead, you might think he would shrug his shoulders and think, oh, they didn't, they didn't get it. They haven't really understood. And so we'll do, it didn't work in Corinth. And so we'll, we'll try somewhere else. Well, let's focus on the, you know, the church in the, the Thessalonians or the, the Philippians or something, thinking, oh, you know, that will be better because they're doing well and these ones are not. No, they are family. There is commitment and he cannot walk away. He feels and he is declaring, I'm your father in the Lord. I can't walk away. 
Um, and the way he, the contrast he makes as he's describing his relationship to them and his love for them and concern for them is that of a guardian and a father. And he says this, doesn't he? He says, there are, you might have 10,000 guardians in Christ, but I've become your father. And you don't have many fathers, frankly. This word guardian um, is quite hard to interpret. It's, it's not easy to understand because we don't really have the equivalent in our culture. But what they would have been in a household, I guess a wealthy household, is one of the servants, one of the the slaves in the in the family it was their job to sort of transport the child or the children to school they they were sort of to oversee their education they weren't teachers themselves but that was their job to get them to school get them home and generally to oversee their behavior and their schooling um, and he says there's a difference between that and the passion and concern of a father and that's the contrast that he's making um, so you get the idea that a guardian in Paul's mind is, is slightly detached, is a bit aloof, is they're not they're not passionately interested in the same way that a father is. I mean, I guess you could say, look, they're paid to do that job. They have to do that job. That's the job they have. Whereas a father is a father. You're like, my goodness, here's my child. It's a whole different relationship. When I was a teacher, a primary school teacher many years ago, um, I cared for the children deeply actually that we're in my class um they say you always remember your first class of children that's certainly true and they'll be in their 30s now which is amazing really maybe even older and yet I cared for them deeply but I wasn't their father and that would have been strange to have addressed them like I was or to have thought of them uh, like they were mine they weren't mine but Paul is saying no you are mine we belong to each other in a way which is um, appropriate in a family. So what are the differences? How do we know? Well, uh, Mike Pilavacci um, gives a great example. He says this, imagine, imagine that you're teaching your seven-year-old to fill the dishwasher at home, and um, you've taught him once or twice, and uh, it's not gone particularly well. And so what you do is you, you, uh, you address him, uh, you know, you're standing by the dishwasher, and there it is, not been done very well, and you say, um, well, um, this isn't clearly isn't really working out, um, and uh, we we found a better seven-year-old across the road, and we're going to bring them in and to do the job because you haven't really uh, managed it uh, to this point. I mean, it's madness, isn't it? No, this is your son. <laughs> this is my son. You take as long as it takes. You just keep going. You keep trying. You try a different approach. Why? Because it's your son. It's your son. It's your daughter. It's of absolute. Uh, extraordinary value the passion that you feel the commitment that you have the amount of energy that you're willing to expel whatever it costs we're going to make this work the church is described in different ways throughout the bible even the people of god before the church was formed and there are a number of them that we would know and understand and and we'll come to some of them even in this book of one corinthians that the church is described as a vine and branches, and we've talked about that before, that's for sure, where we are connected to God, we're connected to Christ, and therefore the fruit that we bear, as if we're grafted in, has part of that DNA in it. And so if we are grafted in and we're drawing our life from the main vine, therefore our fruit will be good. Church is described as a body, actually. Each, each member of the body, each finger, my elbow, my ears, they, they are vital for the whole body. If I, you know, I can't say, my finger can't say I don't belong. 
it belongs, it's part of it, it belongs, it's part of the same body, members of the same body. Um, and so that's one way. The church is a temple. The church is a temple. It is the, the gathered community of people is where God is. God is with us. And the church is also a bride, being prepared for Christ's return um, as being made pure and perfect, being presented to Christ um, like a bridegroom and a bride. And then here, of course, we're talking about the church as a family. And that's throughout Scripture. Jesus, uh, or the, the Bible describes God right from the beginning or from very, very early on as a father. And Jesus himself, as he teaches his disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, when you address God, say, Father. When you address God, say, Father. And so here we are together, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. And throughout this letter that we've been reading, this 1 Corinthians letter, Paul, again and again, in each of his arguments, at the beginning he says, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. And even as he comes to uh, offer more help, what does he say? He says, I'm going to send you my dear son, Timothy. The language of family is all the way through there. So the three things that I want us to think about this morning, um, fairly briefly today, are that we are family because we have one father. We are family because we share the name of Jesus. Uh, and we are family because we share the family likeness. So those three things. So firstly, we are family because we have one father. To be a Christian is to be born again. As Christ explained to Nicodemus, you're born again into a new spiritual family. When you're born, you're born into your, your physical family. Uh, and when you're born again, you're born into God's spiritual family. You're born with a father, and that father is God himself. Let's read in Romans 8 what Paul says. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Father, we cry, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we're God's children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ and co-heirs with one another, obviously. This is a wonderful truth. It's a wonderful truth about your identity. You belong. You've been chosen by the Father. You have a rich inheritance. You, you belong in this family by right. You, you, you can't be lost to it. No, you were born into it, born again into his family. And as I said, you are co-heirs, co-heirs with Christ. That means, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, you are now sons and daughters of God too. Co-heirs with Christ and with each other. You belong to each other. What an amazing truth. You are precious and chosen. And we should treat each other with, with, with that in mind. <laughs> with care, with patience, commitment, respect for one another because each of us has been chosen. Again, we said a few weeks ago, it's the great leveller. None of us got in by rights. I didn't earn my way in to being God's family. You were adopted, you were chosen, and now we share the same Father. We stand shoulder to shoulder, we kneel side by side, we raise our heads to heaven and we say, Father. And each of us does the same, each of us chosen and drawn together. J.C. Ryle says this about being children of the same father they don't regard god with slavish fear as an austere being only ready to punish them they look up to him with tender confidence as a reconciled and loving parent as one forgiving iniquity transgression and sin this 
Father loves us. This Father cares for us deeply. And we, of course, we've all had different experiences of fathers and mothers and families. But here, in God's family, that's what the Father is like. So we are part of the same family because we have the same Father. We're also part of the same family because we rejoice in the same name, the name of Jesus. Jesus is our brother, but we own his name. The church throughout the years has become many denominations, hundreds of traditions, practices, um, but we all belong to Jesus. That's our most fundamental identity, is that we belong to Jesus. Each of us, doesn't matter what your tradition, doesn't matter how you dress when you go to church, or even sometimes how you worship. If you own Jesus, then we're brothers and sisters. We will share eternity together wonderfully and gloriously. We've passed through the same door, adopted into the same family. Ephesians 1, Paul writes this, He predestined us, in love he predestined, predestined us, for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. We're in the family with Jesus. Wonderful, beautiful. My sister, who um, lives in Bolivia for many decades now, he's, she adopted four children, her and her husband. The process was long and sometimes painful, but the joy and the richness that this has added to the family, that we now have four beautiful sisters, brothers, cousins, grandchildren, and of course their own children, they own the family name. They, they got a new name. They were adopted in. They've become citizens of the UK. Um, they belong to us and they belong to each other. They own the name. They are in the family. They were separate. They were lost, alone, in some cases abandoned and forgotten. Now they are family. And now you are family. Family together because you own the name of Jesus. You've bowed the knee to him. You said, he's my Lord and Saviour. And at that moment, you are transferred, adopted into his family, owning his name together. In Antioch, of course, in that church in Antioch, they, it was kind of the mocking crowds that jeered at the Christians, said, ah, oh, little Christ, Christians, Christians. And so we own the name of Christ together. We belong to each other because of Jesus. So we are part of the same family because we have the same father. We're part of the same family because we own one name, the name of Jesus. And we're part of the same family because we have the family likeness. We look like each other. We sound a bit like each other. We have actually the same spirit as each other. When our daughter Abby was born, our firstborn child, it was a, obviously a wonderful moment, incredible. I know many of us are having children and, and watching others have babies. And But for me, one of the amazing moments is I held this little child um, just born so I look at her face and I'm like, she looks a bit like me. <laughs> I'm both concerned for her, obviously, but actually the joy and the wonder of it. She looks like us. She looks a bit like Cheryl. She looks a bit like me. What a wonderful thing. She carries the family likeness because she's part of the same family. Now, that happens. For, we know why. She carries the same DNA as her parents. But actually, there's more than that. And as a child grows up, they... They, they start to talk a bit like their parents and sometimes they use the same phrases. Maybe they've got the same sense of humour. You can tell what family they're from. Some people say things like, oh, he's his, clearly his father's son or she's definitely her mother's daughter. Because you, you might say, oh, they, they have the same spirit. We don't use that language, but you might say that. They have the same sort of spirit as the family does. And that's how we know there's a strong family likeness. 
again, when we are born again, we are born again by God's Spirit. And that Spirit fills us. And that's, the idea is that God's Spirit in us makes us, draws us, transforms us in our experience daily to be more like Jesus. Amazing. You know? It's part of our inheritance as Christians is to be given that Spirit. And he fills us and helps us resemble Jesus. He takes, we take on the family likeness. And the disciples, when they, they said that they took note that they had been with Jesus, they noticed it, they carried the same authority as Jesus. They spoke not as, not as ones who'd been through an education system, but the ones who'd been with Jesus. They sounded like him. They carried the same authority as he had. Now, I've had the privilege over the years of traveling uh, around the world, and it really is a privilege. The privilege is this, really, that when you turn up in a foreign place, it's, it's, for me, the culture is different. It's hard to understand sometimes what's happening. And yet so often the sense of I'm home, I'm home because the same spirit that is in me is in my brothers and sisters. I don't always understand the language or the culture, but I do know this. I feel at home. We share the same spirit. We have the family likeness about us. So what does all this mean? <laughs> what does it mean for us? Well, it means this. As Paul addresses those Corinthian believers, he's addressing them as ones who belong to each other. But listen, he doesn't address them as if they belong to a club. It's not that they pay their subs, and you know, as long as the club keeps to its uh, statutes and keeps providing what it says it will do, then we'll keep going. No, they belong to each other as a family. Um, they belong to each other on a very deep and passionate level. They are part of each other. It also means this, they are all equally important. And we've touched on this a few times. When, when we look at one another, each of us is precious, bought with the blood of Jesus. We are of infinite worth. Each of us, so me holding the mic, I, I have no more worth than you do. <laughs> you are of incredible worth. We are sons and daughters together of his family. And we need to treat each other in that way. As we look at each other, we need to, there needs to be a, a recognition. You're bought with a price. You're adopted in. You're welcomed in. God wanted you with this family. <laughs> he wanted you here. He wanted me here too. We need to get along and work that out together. And there's this deep commitment that we've touched on a few times to one another. There is a love. There is a persistent love, one for another. And that means things like this. It means if someone in the family, in the church, is struggling with sin, for instance, we don't withdraw and tut and think, well, they're not really part of all of this. Of course, I knew, you know, I could see it coming, you know. No, what does, it, what does a family do? They seek to restore this person from sin back into a holy life what, how, what, what, gently that's what the bible tells us to do we, why because we're part of the same family if i if, if they're not if it's just a club then oh well they just they're, they're out but if we're a family no i can't let it go i've got to keep trying i've got to try everything it takes to bring this one closer to jesus and this is what Paul is doing with the church in Corinth. He's appealing as a family member, as a father in the Lord, to those who has put, God has put in his care. This is wonderful. This is what the world needs, authentic 
something to belong to, something that's passionate one for another, something that, that you don't have to earn your way into, but is a gift. This is God's beautiful family. Jesus says this, and we'll finish here in John 13. He says, this is how they'll know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Love them as I have loved you. Incredible. And that's in the same passage where he washes his disciples' feet. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It's transforming. It is utterly unique on the earth. And it's God's church. Father, we do ask, help us to recognise in each other that spirit of sonship, of being a daughter, of being a co-heir with you, Lord Jesus, that we would recognise that in each other. We would recognise that commitment to one another. Lord, we would be that community that is so attractive. Lord, help us to have that commitment one to another, please, I pray. Watch over us and lead us, Father. Father. And we, Lord, we want to finish really by saying thank you so much for adopting me. Thank you, you chose me. Thank you, you picked me out from the crowd. I, I wasn't attractive, I'm not attractive. But you picked me out. Thank you. Thank you, you went through the pain of adoption. The, you died on, on a cross, you rose to life and said, come be part of this family. The past is washed away. Come and join in, come be a son, come be a daughter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen.